It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to the second hour of Expanded Inside Sources. As you can tell, I am not Boyd Matheson. I'm sitting in for Boyd today. I'm Leah Murray, political science professor up at Weber State University. And I'm here with my friend Taylor Morgan, who's a lobbyist. And I totally forgot the name of your firm. <laughs> You were just about to call me mean, disparaging names, <laughs> weren't you? I what, completely blanked. What were you going to say, professor? Not, I wanted to say of... Morgan, but I can't remember the name of your partnership. I, I work so. in the real world, <laughs> Leah. I'm not a professor at a public university. Okay, I have my own business. That's right, which is Morgan May Public Affairs. Thank you. I was like, I knew it was Morgan, and I couldn't remember that second name. Look, I'm so sorry to your partner. <laughs> I, you're fine. You're great. I will own this. I tease you for being a liberal political <laughs> science professor, but if if anyone is liked less than a liberal political science professor in a red state, in a red state, <laughs> it's a it lobbyist. is a lobbyist, and that is me. So, <laughs> listeners, uh, Leah is your most credible source on this program, and I just try to keep it fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. So let's pivot and have a conversation. I feel like we were talking about international news a lot in our first hour yeah, and then yeah. talked about municipal elections. But I want to talk about this lame duck Congress um, and what President Biden maybe tries to do with it in this last little bit of this term. And we've got with us Jonathan Bidlack, the director of the governance program at the R Street Institute to help us figure it all out. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Jonathan, fill us in. How much of our money is being blown by Congress right now? <laughs> well, how much isn't being blown, I guess, is the better question. Yeah, sure. uh, you know, I'm, I, I mean, look, I mean, this has become kind of the, the annual ritual, if you will. You know, let's uh, take all of those things that either we didn't have the time to get to earlier in the year, if you want to be charitable, or if you want to be a little more facetious, uh, you know, all those things that uh, you didn't want to get to until this time of year. And obviously, you know, after the election and going into the lame duck, it's the it's the perfect time to kind of go and uh, and, and spend big without there being a whole lot of accountability because you don't really have uh, an election coming up. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of the situation that we find ourselves in. We have the, um, the, the annual 12 appropriations bills, which usually are supposed to be done by now and done separately now are almost certainly going to either be rolled into one big omnibus or um, or just, you know, have a continuing resolution for the rest of the year. You've got the entire defense budget, the National Defense Authorization Act, which was not dealt with. And now there's even talk of rolling those two things together. So, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of a, a former congressman who said to me once that if, uh, if all, you know, if all members could go and just take one vote a year to put everything together into one package, they would, they would prefer to do that. So, that's essentially what we're, what we're seeing now, I think. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. 
More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. All right, so let me just push, because I kind of picked on it being President Biden and, like, Democrats, right? So it's a lame duck Congress because Democrats are going about to lose the majority in the House. But what I think I heard you say in there is this is an annual thing. So maybe it's less about Democrats and more about just the budgeting process for Congress. Just kind of, is that true? Jonathan, Leah's a Democrat. Just a heads up. <laughs> I think it's obvious. No, it's a fair question. No, I fair think question. It's- it's a it's a great point. I mean, I think there are a lot of a lot of factors at play here. I mean, one is what we talked about, which is that look, it's the lame duck. The the Democrats are, are losing losing power in the House, and so they're basically thinking about what are all the things that we can do now that we're not going to be able to do after January third. Yeah. Um, the second part of this is that you know, yes, it's the lame duck, but it's also at the end of the year. It's during the holidays. Most Americans don't want to or aren't able to pay attention to what's happening in Washington, members who might otherwise, you know, be be more willing to push back on certain things, want to get home to their families for the holidays. Yeah. And so it tends to be this, I think, unique political environment at the end of the year that combined with the fact that, uh, you know, we're going to have a change in power in Washington, it sort of creates this perfect environment to spend a lot of money and to sort of do things in a way that might have a little bit less accountability than otherwise might be the case. Now, were a lot of these appropriations intentionally punted by both parties uh, to fall after Election Day? Is that a piece of this? Well, I mean, you know, I don't necessarily want to go and uh, uh, think too much about the, the intentions or, or, you know, the what's in everyone's hearts, I guess. But, uh, but I think that, you know, look, I mean, we've seen this happen again and again. We haven't, we haven't actually followed the appropriations process as it's meant to be followed uh, since 1994. Right. So it's basically become this, this, you know, this annual situation where we push things off. And, you know, there have been, there, there are differing degrees to which in the past, you know, we haven't we haven't followed that process. Sometimes there's been, you know, single appropriations bills that have passed, or sometimes they passed omnibuses earlier in the year. There's different things that have come up along the way, but um, but generally speaking, I think that, you know, especially when you consider that there was an election coming up in November, if you're a member of Congress, though, especially if you're a Republican, the last thing you want to do is have to take a contentious vote, um, you know, voting for some some big spending that, you know, your constituents may or may not be supportive of. So why not just go and punt those votes until after the election sure. when you mm-hmm. don't really need to worry about it? And so I think that's the phenomenon that increasingly over time, members of Congress have realized that they have the ability to do that and that it's in their interest to do that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to push and pick a little bit on my Republican friend here. Here we go. And here we go. Bring party. It. But the other difference right between, Jonathan, between 1994 and now is it used to be the case that Republicans were deficit hawks. I'm not sure mm-hmm. that that's fair to say generally of the party. And the Republicans just decided to not get rid of earmarks in the next round. They kept the mm-hmm. earmarks in the rules. So part of it's like 
all of what you said, but also there are no more fiscal hawks. Like, where yeah. are they? So that was actually, Leah, that is fair. And that was going to be my question okay. to Jonathan. <laughs> we are speaking with Jonathan Bidlack, director of the governance program at the R Street Institute, about uh, the record spending in this lame duck Congress. So, Justin, two questions. First, Put a price tag on this for us. What are we looking at? How many trillions of dollars? That's my first question. The second question is, Leah's. where are the Republican deficit hawks? Where have they gone? Yeah, it's a great point. And and the re- I'll take the second one first. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I would I would go so far as to say that is exactly what's going on is that, you know, especially in the post Trump era, Republicans have kind of set aside the idea of being stewards of the, you know, of the, the fiscal pocketbook. Right. I mean, if you go back to if you think about this, I mean, this isn't the first time this has happened. I mean, you know, post the George W. Bush administration, Republicans had also lost all of their credibility on fiscal issues. Um, you know, George W. Bush had spent a ton of money overseas um, and we had we had record deficits when we had previously had, uh, uh, you know, expected surpluses. And so so but that didn't stop Republicans at that time from as soon as Obama came into office, sort of becoming more uh, rediscovering, if you will, their uh, their fiscally conservative, you know, point of few days. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I think it's an interesting question as to why we're not seeing that this time around. And I would argue that, you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, I mean, here's for, for one quick example. I mean, if you compare the infrastructure package that was passed this Congress, which was hailed as kind of a bipartisan a- a- agreement, uh, despite the fact that it spent a bunch. Um, and then you compare that to the stimulus package in the early part of the Obama administration. Yeah. Well, I mean, the infrastructure package was a a bigger a bigger package by about $200 billion oh, yeah. than the stimulus was. Jonathan, I'm sorry to and cut you off. We are yeah. out of time. That is an excellent thank point. You. Thank you. We will have you back on Inside Sources here on KSL very soon to keep us updated on this spending in Congress. Thank you again for joining us here on Inside Sources. Coming up next, uh, Leah, we are going to discuss a new case in the Supreme Court that will impact the rights of religious communities and LGBTQ Americans. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.